I believe that we are going to get to some places. Um, I believe that there is a revelation that I feel like is going to be necessary for your life. And it's a simple revelation, but I believe it's a necessary revelation. So I'm going to get something tonight. This is what I want you to get. You are worth it. Say, I'm worth it. What are you worth? Why are you worth it? You are worth the sacrifice that Jesus made to save you of your sins, your guilt, your shame, and your condemnation. Amen? You are worth the price that was paid. You are worth the gift that was Jesus Christ into this world. When Jesus looked down, like it talks about in Hebrews 12, I believe, where it says the joy that was set before him on the cross. You were the joy that was set before him on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, he was thinking about Scott. When he was on the cross, he was thinking about Annalise. When he was on the cross, he was thinking about Cody. He was thinking about all the sins of humanity. He was thinking about all the, the mess that we go through. And he said, I know it's worth it for them to receive me, to receive their forgiveness, to receive this connection back with God. So I'm going to be talking to you about a very simple message tonight, understanding that you have value to God. Say, I have value. I am valuable. I am valuable to God. Amen. We're going to be uh, starting over here in the book of Luke, chapter 15. And uh, it's a very familiar passage, and it's actually a really good passage, and it gets used a lot. And and kind of what's happening here contextually, what's going on here is there, there's these, these scribes and these Pharisees and they're talking with Jesus and they're not, well, not really talking to Jesus, but they're hanging out over here and they're like saying, hey, why is Jesus hanging out with these bad people? Why is Jesus like hanging out with these sinners? Why does he dine with them? Why does he fellowship with them? Why does he go to events with them? Why does he do this, that, and the other? And Jesus overhears them and he goes into these couple different parables, one about the parable of the lost sheep. I'm sure you guys have heard that Jesus left the 99 to come after the one. Is that sound like a familiar passage to you guys? Yes, that is in there, it is in Luke 15. We will not read it tonight, but we will be kind of glossing over and talking about it. But then there's also a situation where a woman has 10 coins and she loses one and she goes after the one coin that was lost. And then later on, we talk about the prodigal son, about a man who had everything at his father's house. He had all that he could ever want or need, but yet he decided to leave his father's house. And when he was there, he realized, oh man, it is not so great out here on my own, all by myself. I have to go back to my father's house. And so that's kind of a summarized version of what's happening in Luke 15. But what Jesus is trying to say here is that he is coming after the ones that are lost. He is coming after the ones that don't have any hope, that don't know who God is. There are people in this world that feel like they don't need God. And so Jesus is like, I'm not really coming after you then. If you don't feel like you need me, you don't feel like you want me in your life, that's okay. That's fine. I would prefer that you did, but if you don't want it, that's fine. I'm coming after the people that know they need a savior. The ones that are lost and hurt and broken and confused and in pain, the ones that are in need of a rescuer. Anyone else felt like they needed to be rescued from time to time? Anyone else have some stuff going on in your life? You're like, dang, I cannot do this on my own. It's pretty crazy out here. But God, in his mercy and in his grace, he's always willing to be there to help us in our state of lostness. And ultimately, the, the, the ultimate reason was to save us from being lost for all eternity. He wanted to reunite the family. 
we talk about in Genesis, oh man, I should probably get to the main scripture here, but in, in the very beginning, if we want to start back from the Genesis of it all, man was supposed to walk with God. We were never meant to be in this life alone. We were never meant to just be around, bumping around, figuring things out for ourselves. No, we were supposed to be in step with our creator. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they walked with God. They knew God, they conversated with him, but because of their choices that they made and they were deceived and they ate of the fruit that they were not supposed to eat from, it caused a separation, it caused a divide between them and God and it also allowed sin to enter this world. But then God said, don't worry, don't worry, I'm gonna provide a way and his name is Jesus. Say, Jesus is the way. So let's go over here in book of Luke chapter 15 and we'll start here out of verse eight and it says, what woman having 10 silver coins if she loses one coin does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it and when she has found it she calls together her friends and neighbors saying rejoice with me for i have found the coin that i have lost and just so i tell you there is so much joy before the angels of god over one sinner who repents You see, in this account, when he's talking about all these different parables in Luke 15, now these are not factual accounts. They are true in the nature of God, but Jesus was just trying to tell stories to have a way for people to relate to what the kingdom of God is, what the heart of the Father is. He was trying to get them to understand. These are people of antiquity that very much understood the shepherd lifestyle, very much understood what these people were going through as he talks about these stories. But basically what he's saying is that when that one sheep goes, he is so valuable to his father. He's so valuable to the shepherd. He's willing to leave the 99 to go out after the one. And in this account, when this woman, even though she had 10 coins, this collection of 10 coins, and only lost one, she was willing to tear her house apart to find the coin because it meant something to her. It was so special to her. It was so valuable to her. And I have a little bit of an illustration. I've been carrying around a dollar bill in my pocket all evening, and it is probably a little bit moist because worship happens and stuff like that. But you guys know what this is. What, what is this? A $1 bill. That is right. And in this $1 bill, it, it is, you know, worth how much money? A dollar. And if I were to put it on the ground and I were to just step on it and rub it around and really put my foot into it, how much is that dollar worth now? If I were to crumple it up in my hand, still worth a dollar. If I were to maybe, oh, it hurts me to do it. It hurts me to do it. If I were to just tear a tiny corner, just a teensy little corner, how much is this worth now? It's still a dollar. I could do a lot of things with this dollar. I could probably even set a little bit of it on fire if I wanted to. I could go put it in the toilet if I wanted to. But that doesn't change the value of this dollar. If I burn it up all the way, then absolutely, then it will be destroyed, and then it is worth nothing. And that's exactly kind of the point that I'm trying to make here, is Jesus is saying, yo, this woman, she had 10 coins, and that coin was so valuable to her, it didn't matter how lost it was. It didn't matter what it was under. It didn't matter where it was. It was still worth something to her. 
And most people would have been like, oh, you already have 10 coins. You have 10 coins. You lost one. You still have nine. Like, what's the big deal? And she's like, no, I want my collection back. I like this a lot. I love these coins. They're very special to me. And that, I believe, is what Jesus is trying to communicate to you here. It's not that what you've done makes you a bad person in a sense. It's really more so it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you said. Even though it might be wrong, it might have been a bad mistake, Jesus says you are still worth value to the kingdom of God. You still have a value associated with your life. You were created for a very specific purpose, on purpose. This dollar was created with purpose by the United States government to function as a $1 bill in the United States. I cannot go to Japan and use this $1 bill in the same way that I use it here. I could maybe get by with a weird trade situation and maybe they'd be excited about it. I don't know. I haven't been there before, but I'm pretty sure in most countries that I've been to, they only accept their own money, right? I feel like that's pretty much common sense. Jesus is saying you are worth something to the Father because you are a creation of the Father. Genesis 1 talks about in the beginning, God said, let us make man in our own image, Let us make man and woman in the image of us. Let them bear our image. We have the image of God on our life. We represent value to our Father. We represent value in this kingdom life that we live. So don't let what you've done, what you've said, what you've been through determine your value in the sight of God. Because his opinion matters more than your own opinion, your friend's opinion, your mom's opinion, this person, that person's opinion. I don't know who it is in the room tonight, but I feel like there is someone in the room that doesn't even recognize how much you are loved by your God. And he cares for you so much that he wants you to meet with him on a Wednesday night to have weird games and and, and really good tithes and offering messages and and fun worship and listen to a weird guy with a bunch of weird tattoos talk to you for roughly 20 minutes or so. Like God cares about you that much to set aside time to be with you, to rescue you from this life. You know, John 3.16, the very familiar message, you know, God so loved you, the world, that he sent his one and only son to die for you, that those that might believe might experience eternal life. We've been rescued from this life. We've been, we've been handed this, this opportunity to be rescued in this life, and, and we need to understand that this price that was paid for us, it was worth it in their eyes, so it should mean something to us, that someone was willing to give it all for me, Someone was willing to give it all for you. Now, Ephesians 2.10 talks about how we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. This $1 bill, if I really wanted to, again, we talked about how I could mess it up and I could jack it up and I could crunch it up and I could spit on it and I could rub dirt on it. But if I wanted to, I could come back and I could clean it up and I could get it pressed back together and put it back to its close to original state. I'm not perfect. There's no way I can get this to be exactly right. But Jesus, on the other hand, he takes your mess. He takes your grime. He takes your shame and he washed it all 
He took it all away and he pressed you back together and he put you back in your rightful place and he set you up into righteousness like it talks about in 2 Corinthians. He became the sin. He became the guilt. He became the pain. He became all these things so that way you might become the righteousness of God. And that word might always confuse me, but it's really, it's because it's your choice. He did all these things for you, but, it, but it's ultimately up to you if you want to live out this position that he's been made available for you and I. Say, so I'm gonna choose the right choice. I'm gonna choose Jesus. I'm gonna choose what he did for me. Say, I have value. 1 Corinthians 12 we don't really have a whole lot of time to go into it too much, but essentially it starts here in verse 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some are free. We've all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And it goes on to talk about how there's many different body parts and how really a foot is not, is not able to be like I'm a hand and, and it doesn't necessarily make it any less part of the body. And it's basically saying like an eye needs to be an eye and a heart needs to be a heart. And there's certain people that are meant to be certain things. There's certain people that are meant to be a dollar. There's certain people that are meant to be a nickel. There's certain people that are meant to be a dime and this, that, and the other. And there's all these things and they're all connected. And the reason that we're all specifically created on purpose for a purpose is because we're all supposed to be joined together in this family with God. We are all very necessary and vital to what God is doing here on the earth. You're a part of his body. You're a part of his family. You have value in the eyes of your father. And so we have to do our due diligence here. We don't want this gift to be given to us in vain and we accept it by vain, in vain and, and then not do it justice. And I'm not saying that any amount of work that we do can actually justify what Jesus has done, but at the same time, we should try our very best to live a life that is worthy of his sacrifice. Try to live up to, to what he did for us so I can live out the purpose that he's called for me. You know, we talked about it last week in last week's message, but Romans 12:1 says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you Give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be living, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And, 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 and I know it doesn't make sense because we're like, oh, it need to be a sacrifice, but you just said Jesus died for me, so why do I gotta die? Well, it's not really like you need to die, but the ways of our old life, the ways that we lived before God, the ways that we live before we accepted Jesus, we gotta start letting those things go. Like how bad would it be if that woman, when she found her 10 coins, like right when she had got done and threw her party for all these people, when she was excited about, you know, getting her collection back, and then when everyone went home that night, she took that one coin and just went, bink, and just like threw it somewhere, and was just like, why not? Let me just get rid of it again and do it all over again tomorrow. That would be pointless, and that'd be weird, and that would be crazy. If I cleaned up this dollar bill and then I, the next day I was like, oh, let me dirty it up again and let me like shove it back in my wallet or whatever, then I would also be putting the other money at risk. Like, like why do all the extra work over and over and over again? And I'm not saying that you're not gonna mess up because honestly, more than likely, probably, yeah, you're gonna mess up again. 
I can't promise you that you're not because that would be a lie. (laughs) You're not a sinner anymore, but at times there's probably going to be situations where you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have a mess up. You're going to have problems. But Jesus, in his grace and his mercy, he's always willing to help you out. He's always willing to, to clean you up and brush you off. But we have to do our very best, like Romans 12, 1 says, to be a living sacrifice. And over here in Colossians 3, it says over here, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of earth. For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So now what do we gotta do? To, to live out a life that, that's worthy of his sacrifice to the best of our ability. So we're not walking around like a dirty free man, <laughs> like a dirty redeemed man. Like I, I say I'm prosperous, but I look nasty and I say nasty things and I'm ugly to people and I'm stingy and I'm greedy. Like we're not supposed to be like that. Verse five says, put to death therefore what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. We're meant to get rid of these things that caused us to be messed up in the first place. We no longer have to live in such a way. I no longer have to allow this dollar to be dirty anymore. That, that woman's coin has now been found. It's back together in the collection again. The, the, the sheep that left the 99 was now re- reunited with its family. It gets to live in the sheepfold. It gets to live in the collection box. It gets to live in a place that it was always intended to be. You now have access to your Father God because of Jesus' sacrifice. The veil that was put between you because of what Adam and Eve did, you now have access to him. You can live free. You can live prosperous. You can live healthy. And you can live satisfied because now you don't have to do this life on your own anymore. You get to do it with Jesus. Amen? Say, I'm gonna do this with Jesus. I wanna pray for you guys real quick. Let's bow your heads. Don't let this message go over you tonight. It is a straightforward and simple message, but it's a simple truth that will drastically change the way you live your life. If you can truly grab a hold of who you are now in Jesus Christ, It'll change the way you live. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change the way you think. We are now righteous beings, right standing with God. We no longer have to live by our own fleeting thoughts and desires, but now we have a grander purpose, a greater a greater direction, a higher direction, a higher purpose than we could ever ask for ourselves. You know, Jeremiah 1.5 talks about how he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Let that settle in for you. 
that your creator God knew all about you. He knew how tall you'd be. He knew what color eyes you'd have. He knew how many hairs you'd have on your head. He knew what you'd like, what you'd dislike, what you'd be good at and what you probably wouldn't be too great at, but yet he knew you and he purposed you and he planned and hoped that you'd want to be with him. And so tonight, as I pray for you, I hope that you make some corrections in yourself if you need to, to greater understand the sacrifice that was made for your life that Jesus saw you as worth it to leave his royal place in the heavens, to leave his his treasures and his his worship from angels and all these things. And he, he came into this world, he put on flesh and bone to die for you, to give it all for you because you were so worth it to him. You as a human being are so worth it to such a grand spiritual God. So God, I pray tonight that every person in this room feels your love, feels your comfort, feels your presence tonight. I pray that you make yourself known to us. Make your love even brighter for us, Father God. I thank you that you give us the strength to fully let the things of this life go to do our very best to honor the gift that's been given unto us. And God, I pray for every single person specifically right now that they have the strength within themselves to let go of these things, to walk a better life with you.